You ready for some word today? Praise God. I want to get into some things today that I believe will be helpful and start a, a new series of messages over the next uh, few weeks, not a long series. Um, but I, I know that God is, is moving mightily and in the earth today, and thank God He is. And, and the Lord has always uh, had a plan, but His power is something that always flows through people. All right, his plan never goes around us in the in the sense where he's going to just do it on his own by himself. You know, sometimes people say, "Well, if it's really a move of God, you know, it'll be all God." It was just all God. Well, that's not the way he works. Just like your head doesn't come to church without your body, <laughs> God doesn't move without Jesus being the head of the church. Does not move without His body, and so God always uses people. Now. That's a plus and a minus kind of in and of itself. I mean, if it were all God, how many know it would be all good? It would be perfect in, in presentation, delivery, accuracy. Everything would be altogether wonderful. But in the process of the way that God chooses to, uh, to, to move and do things, He uses imperfect people, and sometimes we get a little flesh mixed in. Uh, nevertheless, it's still God's plan, still His choice to use individuals and use people to carry out His, his message and to deliver His power to others who are in need. And, uh, you know, uh, sometimes in, in the midst of the way that God does it, people not only have a little bit of themselves mixed in, which is okay because that's God's plan, but uh, sometimes people get off way off. Sometimes individuals used of God, called of God, anointed of God, get far out of bounds. And they, they lack moral integrity. They lack the, the, the disciplines that they need to have. And so misrepresent the kingdom of God. They misrepresent the grace and love and character of the Lord Jesus Christ. Over the years, there have been many well-known men and women of God who have fallen into uh, sin and immorality. There have been national ministries that have been mightily used of God and, you know, and have gotten into trouble. And uh, uh, sometimes it, it can cause great question because in the middle of a lot of these things happening, God still continues to use people. And sometimes you find out when some national ministry on TV has some kind of moral failure, you found out, well, that happened, that's been happening for three years, and, and yet they've still been ministering under the anointing. I mean, people getting saved and getting healed. All the meanwhile, this person had this kind of, you know, this thing going on on the side. And, and a lot of times uh, Christians look at that and they think, I don't understand that. How can that be? Why does God continue to use people and, 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 and use people that are, you know, really not representing Him well when it comes to their personal life and character? Uh, but how many know that anointings and giftings, uh, the call of God, these things are free these things are free gifts, but character is developed. See, it's possible for someone to be anointed and used of God, yet lack personal integrity, yet lack character. And it, here's the thing, it doesn't diminish the gift side. It doesn't diminish what they do that is from God. I mean, it can really be the real genuine article where God is literally using a person who is not living right. And I want to begin to explain some of these things. You know, some of the national names that we've heard over the years, in recent years, you know, you hear about individuals like Ted Haggard. Uh, you hear about, you know, back go back in the 80s and there was some 
uh, popular ministers like Jimmy Swaggart and, and Jim Baker and some of these individuals that had gotten off into sin and wrongdoing with sexual things or financial misdealings and, and all this. But it's interesting, and again, even back in those times, that those people were used of God. They were used of God continually, even though their lifestyle wasn't altogether what it ought to have been. And of course, eventually these things um, were greatly interrupted and should have been. But I've heard stories about individuals back in the in, years ago in the healing revival in America when, you know, there were tents going up as before my day. And people were being healed. But in, stories of, indiv- of ministers being drunk in the pulpit. And, and uh, you know, in, in charismatic circles, we just think, well, that's God. But uh, <laughs> Woo, I feel it too. <laughs> uh, and because we know God moves that way and that kind of thing. But, I mean, they weren't drunk in the spirit. They're drunk in the flesh. <laughs> and, uh, and, and in the middle of that, you hear these stories, but yet people were getting saved. And people were getting healed. I mean, outstanding miracles. And people think, how can that be? How can that happen? And here again, we go back to this. A gift, a call, an anointing is one thing. Character is another. And they, it is entirely possible for these things to exist at the same time. In other words, undeveloped character, a lack of integrity, but the gift of God still works. And I want to show you this in the Scripture, and, and, and of course, no, I'm not implying that this is okay, or this is God's way, or something that we should uh, say is acceptable by any means, but it is something that is a reality, and we should understand how and why these things work, lest it hinder us, and, and, and lest we get our eyes off of God and onto man. But there are what we, what we might call normal Christians. Go, go to Mark 11, or, or excuse me, Mark 16. Uh, with me, Mark chapter 16, the last chapter of the book of Mark, there are what we might call, uh, and I'm just, you know, making up this terminology, normal Christians, and and then spe- especially gifted people uh, as well. And when I talk about normal Christians, I want to I want to lay out several scriptures here for a moment, and 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 help clarify what a normal Christian ought to look like without going too deep. But Mark 16 and verse 17 says, And these signs will follow those who believe. Now, what, am I, what do we mean, those who believe? Well, that'd be just a normal Christian. All right? Anyone who believes in the Lord Jesus, who believes the, His Word and His promises and things that He has said, that would be, that's not a special call. It's not an outstanding experience someone needs to have. They just need to be born again. They just need to believe in the Lord Jesus. And what did he say would happen? These signs would follow them. Okay? So normal Christianity absolutely includes healing. It includes uh, tongue talking. It includes deliverance. It includes the power of God flowing through their life. I know these things have been greatly diminished in our day where many... Uh, Christians are totally unaware of or have been told the opposite. They've been told that God doesn't even do stuff like that anymore. He doesn't heal people and, and, and raise people's lives and, and set people free in that way. But that's not the truth. That's just a lie of the devil to keep the church powerless and ineffective in this world. 
A normal Christianity has to do with believers laying hands on the sick. Has to do with seeing the power of God flow through our lives where all of our prayers are answered. There's a direct connection, an outstanding evident work of, of God in our lives on an ongoing and continual basis. Again, again, the scripture said these signs will follow those who believe. The, the 20th verse there. Look at Mark 16, 20. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through accompanying signs. And so, so they went out and what did they do? They preached the word. They basically said what Jesus said. They preached the, the, the gospel message, the good news, and the Lord worked with them. I tell you, when the, when the word of God is preached, God is there to demonstrate. He is there to accompany that word with signs. If there's an absence of a work of a move of God, of people being set free and delivered and healed and helped in many areas. The direct thing that I can see that would be the reason for that is people are not preaching the Word. They're not doing what the Lord said. They might be playing games. They might be preaching religion or doctrine or preaching social something. But they're not preaching the Word because the Word has power built into it. God is looking for someone to say what He said so that He can do what He wants to do. And see, again, this is just a normal normal Christianity. It's the way that, that, that Christians are supposed to work. The Lord works with and confirms with accompanying signs. If we were to go on and look into the book of Acts, and we can see the, the moving of the, of the Spirit of God through individuals in the church, we see this normalcy, if you will, continuing. Um, let's see, Acts 14, it says, therefore they stayed there a long time. This is Acts 14, 3 speaking boldly in the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of His grace. To what? The word of His grace. Granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. So they're just preaching the word. They're preaching the good news, the grace of God, and the Lord is granting signs and wonders. Over in Acts chapter 6, Acts chapter 6 and verse 8, the Bible says this, And Stephen full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. What was he full of? Faith and power. Now, is that what it said? Full of faith and power, did great signs. Now, Stephen, how many know he wasn't even an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher? He wasn't one of these exceptional gifts or something of something out of his control. He was basically what we would call, the, the, the Greek language shows there that he was a deacon. Meaning he served tables. He's in the ministry of helps. All right. He's just helping out, serving. And what was happening? Great signs and wonders going through him. He's a man full of faith and power. Again, this is the normal way that the Lord ordained that the church would be. That the average Joe, so to speak. You don't have to have some special call. You don't have to have an outstanding experience with God. You just need to believe. I just need to be a believer and I'll say what God said and God will follow that up and heal and help and do and do great things through my life. You know, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 6 reads this way, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, verse 7, so that you come short in no gift. Notice that you come short in no gift. Now, we know all about the Corinthians, right? The, the Corinthians weren't, example, weren't exactly models of Christianity. Okay, it, They were a carnal, fleshy church, very immature, and there was a lot of sin in their church. I mean, there was, I mean we could go through it and it wouldn't be a, just a pleasant discussion. <laughs> uh, there's just a lot of sin. But you know what the Scripture says about that church? They came behind in no gift. 
That means the gifts of the Spirit were flowing through them mightily. It, was, it wasn't uncommon at all for them to have services and have, have miracles and have healings. And they would prophesy and speak as the, speak by the word of the Lord. They've had word of knowledge and word of wisdom. And, and people would see angels and different things. And, uh, you know, that's the discerning of spirits. And they had all these gifts uh, operating and functioning through their lives and ministries. But yet they had a lot of issues. Yet they were big, fat babies right? They were, they were carnal. They were fleshly. Some of them were living in sin and yet God still used them. Yet God still moved through them. Yet God still worked mightily. It doesn't validate their lifestyle and it doesn't make their lifestyle acceptable or okay or something that, uh, you know, that God approves of or we should approve of. But it does show that these anointings and these giftings and things were working anyway. They were still working in the, in the lives of average everyday believers. Uh, Galatians, Chapter 3, Galatians chapter 3 and verse 5 says, Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Okay, of course, the answer is the hearing of faith. But again, the the average person, they, they hear the word, they believe, and what happens? God goes to work. And they knew that was so. He was writing a letter to convince them, uh, uh, you know, and teach them against uh, legalism and still living under the law. And he said, how, how do all these things happen? And they knew, oh, yeah, because we experience this stuff on an ongoing and regular basis. And he said, it's just because you believe. It's just because you believe that God goes to work and there is inherent power in the word of God. And so all these things can and should flow through every member of the body of Christ. This is what, again, I would just call, I'm just saying for this series, this is normal Christianity. This is the normal Christian. This isn't some outstanding experience. And that's what, that's what would be the second category then. There are individuals who are especially gifted. There are those who are specifically called and anointed to do a specific work. God does identify individuals within his plan, within his body, and he sets them up. He gives them extra grace in an area. He gives them extra uh, gifting and anointing to proclaim, to do, to perform, to, to uh, carry out His plan in a leadership capacity. And sometimes these gifts are outstanding. I mean, they're absolutely over-the-top God. You know what I'm talking about? Um, th- there have been individuals who have, you know, f- just even from childhood... They, they just seem to be very natural at being used of God. They bump into this person and they get healed. You know, even from childhood, they look up and there's an angel. <laughs> you know, there's a car and there's a tree and there's Jesus. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, I mean, just these different gifts, discerning of spirits, operating their life. It wasn't a result of their great prayer life. It wasn't a result of their, their um, great discipline and dedication to study. They were just called of God and they, would, they were used of God in these ways. I think there are really people in the world today that are, have outstanding gifts that are not even saved yet, but that gift of God is still working in them. And, some, and oftentimes it's used for their own purposes, and, and it's not God using them, but God intends for that gift to be used in His kingdom. They're just out in the world. They're just out, you know, doing things for fame and fortune, and that's unfortunate. But the gifts of God uh, are present, and many times present even in people from birth. And so these are unique people that, you know, Paul exhorted the church at Corinth and 
in 1 Corinthians 12, and he said, you know, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers? And, and, he, and he said these things, and what was the answer? The, the, answer is, the answer is no. Not everyone is called to do the same thing. Not everyone has these unique callings and giftings on their life. He said we're all different in some ways, but yet in other ways we're all the same. And so there are unique gifted people. There are individuals that are anointed in a special way. But I want to say again that a person can be anointed, but character must be developed. Character must be developed. And if you and I don't develop character, then ultimately it won't matter what we're called to. It won't matter how much we are anointed. We will still end up falling on our face and doing much damage and harm to other individuals and hinder the plan of God. And so I want to talk about a specific individual in the Bible that is a prime example of some of this. If you would go with me to the book of Judges, Judges, the third chapter, and I want to talk about Samson. Anybody ever heard of Samson? If Samson were alive today... Uh, he would have a long list of requests from churches to minister. He would have no shortage of invitations. <laughs> churches around the globe would say, hey, we booked Samson. We've got Samson coming this Sunday. And, uh, and people would flock, wouldn't they? They would come by the droves to see the gifted, anointed Samson. I mean, it works to some degree with, you know, like the power demonstrations that different ministries do, you know, what Pastor PJ used to do, and they break bricks and blow up water bottles and stuff, and usually that kind of stuff attracts a good crowd, and all those are is guys on steroids, right? <laughs> I think, uh, but think about what if, what if we announce, hey, Samson's going to be here next week, you know, a lot of people will get excited. I bet the house would be packed. I bet we couldn't, couldn't contain the crowd. And, and churches would be clamoring to get them on their, their stage and on their TV programs and everything else. Samson's coming to town. <laughs> and we want to look at this guy and see if that's what we should be doing. And, uh, and if we should be looking at and, and judging people just based upon their anointing or if we should go a little bit deeper. If we should look at individuals just about their gifting, just about their anointing, or if we should uh, be more discerning when it comes to setting people up in the body of Christ that we know have, uh, you know, character flaws and have other issues going on in their life. Now, prior to reading this, let's set the historical stage a little bit. Judges follows another book. Anyone know what that other book is? Joshua. Joshua. Three of you do. Uh, Joshua is a book, of course, where Joshua picked up the leadership that Moses had prior to him. Joshua served Moses into his old age and was a very faithful servant, but then Joshua led the children of Israel into the promised land. Remember, they crossed the Jordan, and then they first dealt with the city of Jericho. The walls came down, and they basically went in, other than Ai, that little issue there, but they basically cleaned everyone's clock. The Lord said, I've given you this land, and they walked it out. 
And they went conquering. And the Lord gave them that entire land. And Joshua was the leader of the nation. He was well respected. He was a man of God. He had great faith. He went forward and did what God called him to do. Everyone looked up to Joshua as their leader. They respected him. And they were able to do great things in the name of the Lord. And... And so Joshua then there, but when we come over to the book of Judges, it's a different time. They had been living now in the promised land. They were reaping what uh, the Lord said they would. They had vineyards they didn't plant. They lived in houses they didn't build. They were, they were, they were mightily blessed. The land was flowing with milk and honey. They were enjoying the good life. And it was the blessing of God. But how many know sometimes... Some people, when they're enjoying life and it's really good, they get their eyes off, uh, off of the Lord. Sometimes when things are, are going really well, they start, you know, you know, rearranging history a little bit, rewriting history and changing things. And, and that's what was happening with Israel. They started believing they were there because of their own goodness and their own might. And they were there as a result of their own efforts instead of giving all the glory and praise to God. And they began to forget about the Lord. And so uh, they, uh, I want to pick up here now in, then in Judges chapter 3. Judges, the third chapter, and read a little bit. Verse 1, it says, Now these are the nations which the Lord left, that He might test Israel by them. That is, all who had not known any of the wars in Canaan. This was only so that the generations of the children of Israel might be taught to know war, at least those who had not formerly known it. Namely, the, the five lords of the Philistines, all the Canaanites, the Sidonians and the Hivites, who dwelt in Mount Lebanon, from Mount Baal Hermon to the entrance of Hamath. They were, and they were left that he might test Israel by them to know whether they would obey the commandments of the Lord, which he had commanded their fathers by the hand of Moses. Thus the children of Israel dwelt among the Canaanites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and the Termites, and uh, <laughs> maybe a few otherites. Turn out the lights. Uh, Verse 6, And they took their daughters to be their wives, and gave their daughters to their sons, and they served their gods. And how many know, uh, I know some people use, some people have used this kind of language in the Bible and said, said, interracial marriage is really really a bad thing. How many know this has nothing to do with interracial, it has to do with everything, has has everything to do with covenant? has to do with marrying those outside of a covenant with God. Single people, if you're a believer, you live for God, don't you dare go marry someone who doesn't have that. You're asking for trouble. You listening to me? No matter how good looking they are, how rich they are, how wonderful they are in every way, if they don't have a relationship with God, slam on the brakes. And make sure they don't walk the aisle just for your benefit either. Anyway, uh, what was happening here is basically, see, the, Israel had conquered Canaan, but you know, now, you know what ha- was happening now? Now the inhabitants of Canaan the, and these people of this land, they were reconquering Israel. Not by, n- not, not by just kicking them out, but by infiltration. <laughs> they were getting their eyes off of the Lord. They began to, to take their wives and, wives and so forth from these other groups, these people that were outside of a covenant, outside of a relationship with God. And what was going on here is they began to serve their gods and it was undermining everything that God had for them. 
they began to get their eyes off of the Lord. And so this is the environment now that they're living in. Joshua was a great leader. But how many know great leaders, I mean human leaders, they don't last forever. Joshua served his time and he was gone. And in our day, we've, we've seen some great uh, spiritual leaders that have come and taught and led by example and shown us the way, but they've died. They've gone on to heaven. And how many know that's going to continue to happen? Great leaders, people we have great respect in, they're not going to be around forever. Our relationship with God personally must be established one-on-one with, with the Lord. And if someone fails either through moral failure or through they just pass away and they die and they go on to heaven, uh, we need to have our relationship with God not connect so tightly connected to that individual that we fall away with them. And that's what Israel did. They lost that leader and they started going astray and they started going the wrong way. Uh, and so don't look to people as the source for your relationship with God. Uh, but this time now, they didn't have a designated leader. They didn't have one person who was leading the charge. God set up another system, um, a system of judges. All right. And in this system, God would raise up an individual, put his spirit upon them. They'd be gifted in different ways. And they would bring and sometimes pronounce judgment on the nations around them that were attacking them, the godless of that time. And... Uh, and Samson was one of those guys. Different judges would rule over different tribes and different areas. Samson ruled over Dan and Judah. But God began to set up judges over the land. Let me give you some of their names. Uh, there, there was Othniel. There was Gideon. There was Ehud, Shamgar, Deborah, Jephthah, and then Samson. And so let's go over to the 13th chapter of, of Judges now. And let's begin to look at this, this person, this man called Samson. You see, all these other judges listened to God. They did what he said. They followed and carried out his plan, except for Samson. He, he is the one guy in this mix that didn't do it. He, in fact, almost everything he did was for his own benefit. Even though he was the most gifted among them, he had the most outstanding type of, of anointing and gifting on his life. He was the individual that didn't do what God called him to do. He was self-seeking. He would take revenge. A lot of, a lot of his, quote, miracles and, and feats of strength were self-serving. He was just upset with someone, so he would go carry out vengeance. And we're going to see a lot of things over these weeks about Samson uh, that we really don't want to emulate. But it'll help us to understand how God works anyway. Judges chapter 13. Let's begin here, here in, in verse 1. It reads, And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines for forty years. Now there was a certain man named Zorah of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah. And his wife was barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Indeed now you are barren and have, no, have borne no children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. And therefore, it, be, uh, please be careful not to drink wine or similar drink, and not to eat anything unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hands of the Philistines. Notice that last phrase there. He shall do what? He shall begin 
to deliver Israel. And how many know that's exactly what he did do and that's all he did. He had this great anointing, this great call, this great assignment from God. But all he did was begin to deliver Israel. He didn't finish his task. He didn't finish the assignment God had for him. It was because of his absence of character, his self-centeredness, his immaturity that kept him from moving forward and doing all that God had for him. In fact, we know stories about David and Goliath. Well, who was Goliath? Well, Goliath was a Philistine. This is some of the things that had to happen later where David had to clean up the mess that Samson left. See, some of those stories we wouldn't even have because the the Philistines would have been dealt with and they no longer would have been a harassment against Israel year after year after year going forward. Samson was supposed to take care of this. He was supposed to be used of God to take care of this situation, but yet he didn't do it. And so he began to do the work, but he didn't finish the work. Go down to verse 24, Judges 13 and 24. So the woman bore a son and called his name Samson. And the child grew, and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to move on him at Manah and Dan between Zorah and Eshtahol. You see, uh, this was a, a very unique individual. I mean, gifted from day one. His, his, his birth was announced by an angel. His mother was barren. She couldn't have children. But in this spectacular demonstration of an angel, angel of the Lord showing up and, and declaring who he would be and, and, and what he would do, uh, I mean, it's kind of a cool start, don't you think? He was blessed by the Lord. God began to move on him. Now, it's interesting. His name, the name Samson was not given by the angel or given by God like in some cases in Scripture we see uh, John the Baptist and Jesus and different individuals where, where the name was given by God, call him such and such. Uh, Samson's name came from his parents like it is most of the time in our lives. Uh, uh, and and what, the, what his name meant, it's interesting, his name means sunshine or, or sunlight. And what was happening is Israel was in a very dark condition. They were being harassed by the Philistines. They were not serving God. They had forgotten the Lord. And they did evil in the Lord's sight. And all of a sudden an angel comes to a young couple who can't have kids. And he says, you're going to have a child. And he's going to do this. And he's going to do this. And they say, what shall we call him? How about sunshine? <laughs> How about something? I don't make fun of that name, guys. He wouldn't like that. I don't know if they grew up calling him Sonny, but, but, but what, what was happening is this is a very dark day, and this is, what, what, what was going on here, is this was like a bright shining light in a very dark time. And Samson was to be that shining light to come in like God had done in previous generations. They would turn against the Lord, but someone would call on the Lord, he'd send them a new deliverer, and this time it was sunlight. Sunshine. It was Samson. It was the dawning of a new day. It was a bright time that was supposed to break out in Israel where they were being freed from their enemies and God was going to do a great work. But then we got Samson. We got his parents and how they raised him. We got a lot of factors that we want to we talk about. 
But Samson was a very self-centered person. He had his own self-interest in mind. Like I said, he would take his own vengeance out on other individuals. He had a life. We've got 20 years and, and recordings of 10 different miracles. Uh, but he could have been Israel's greatest deliverer. He had the potential to live long and deliver them completely from their enemies. Yet that was not the case. We will get to the end of the story And there was some positives at the end of the story. But so much more could have been done if there were some other elements in place in his life. Now, uh, the Bible tells us over in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, speaking of Israel and, and some of the Old Testament events and accounts, that these things were written for our admonition as examples for us. Someone said, why do we even need to study people like Samson and other individuals in the Old Testament? I mean, because we have Jesus, and we have a new covenant, and we have the grace of God, better promises, and absolutely we do. But we can see in scriptures like that, that we have this, and we still keep the Old Testament, and not just carry around New Testament, right, for a reason. There's something that we can learn. These examples were given, and you know, there's a lot of great examples, There's a lot of individuals, and we read about them, and we can apply it directly to our lives and say, do it just like they did. Act just like they acted. Serve God like they did, and you'll benefit. But I'm telling you, this is not one of those cases. This is not one of those stories where we want to be like Samson. We don't want to emulate his life. We don't want to follow his character and his walk with God. What we want to do is learn from it because he is an example of what not to do. How not to live life. Even if there's a great call, there's a great anointing, there's a special assignment. And I I know the Lord wants to use every single one of us in some way, whether it's just normal Christianity and our, you know, I mean, I know there are unique giftings within normal Christianity as well, uh, but he wants to use all of us as normal Christians, or there are some who have really one of these outstanding calls, outstanding experiences. Maybe some of you have children that are, man, there's something going on. You've been able to see it since almost since the very beginning of their life. There's something special I mean, beyond what, what would normally be special, of course. Something very unique about them. God's got His hand upon this child's life. There's some things we should know about how they should be raised. And for our own lives, how we should conduct ourselves. And again, this applies to all of us, whether we're just acting in the, the gifting and normal, um, nor, like again, like I said, normal Christianity, or whether there's a special assignment, a special gift and anointing on our lives, we need to recognize how we are to conduct ourselves, lest we fall in this same trap and hinder God's plan. I don't want to just begin. I want to complete. I want to finish. I don't want to just go in and get going in the right, right direction, have a few cool miracles going on, have a few things that people might remember. I mean, what do you remember about Samson? We definitely remember his call and his gifting because of the unique anointing of strength on his life. He was a deliverer of, of Israel. But you know what we also remember? So, there's another name that's in the Bible that we're not even supposed to know. Her name is Delilah. You're not even supposed to know that name, right? You're not even supposed to know who that is. 
But yet people write songs and put them together and, you know, and, and all this stuff that happened outside of God's plan because of an absence of character. And, you know, in the middle of all this, the gifts of God still work. The anointing still is present. And people are still helped. People are still set free with a gift and anointing from God. But you know that won't last forever. You know that can't continue to go on and on and on. There must be a, a development inside of us. There must be a character inside of us that, that, that where we get our act together to enable this gift and this anointing to be sustained long term. And I trust that's where our heart is today. Amen. Father, I thank you today for what you're doing in our lives, what you're doing in our our church, our midst. Father, for for individuals today, we all recognize that you want to do something special in us and through us, that your anointing is upon us as believers, that you've called us to do great things. And Father, there are others who have a unique and special assignment to be a leader in the body of Christ, to be those who would stand out from among the rest that you've placed your spirit upon, your anointing within, and those gifts are present. And Father, I pray that not only would their their gifts be used mightily, but they personally as as believers, as individuals, would be developed, would would, would have lives of integrity, and they would grow in character. That these things might not not only be a, a flash in the pan, used today and gone tomorrow, but year after year, year after year until Jesus comes. We're doing the will of God. We're fulfilling the plan of God for our lives. Thank you for doing a work inside each one today. Thank you for doing a work in a powerful and special way. We give you all the glory and all the honor for every good thing that takes place. Every good thing that takes place. Thank you, Lord, for even even as you deal with hearts. I pray that they'd know it's not about condemnation or just feeling bad. But it is about your empowerment and your your mercy leading us into change. Thank you for dealing with hearts today. We're touching lives. We acknowledge you. Thank you for doing a work in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. The Lord is good.